0: The, uh, the Global Positioning System, uh, more lovingly known as our driving co-pilot, GPS, was created by the U.S. Department of Defense in 1973, and later was opened to the public in 93, and by 2001, GPS navigation was uh, inevitably taking over and was bringing in the death of the paper map. Who? Raise your hand if you have a paper map in your car currently. We got some? Okay, you guys are safe. So what neuroscientists are discovering after two decades of observation is that along with the paper map, our memory and internal spatial navigation is also in danger of extinction. So before GPS, maybe you can reach back into the recesses of your mind. You remember that we had to pay attention When we were driving, we had to remember landmarks. We had to uh, look around and and remember intersections. And we had to improvise when we were recalculating, right? Like if there was a, a road closure. We had to do all of that on our own. And over time, we have become reliant on technology, which has effectively diminished our brain's ability to navigate without it. So there are countless cases of people being lured into lakes Uh, off bridges, down treacherous hiking trails, and even into the desert by this soothing robotic voice. Have you guys heard some of these news stories? People are driving their vehicles into the ocean because they're so fixated on their GPS. So there's, there's even a phenomenon called death by GPS where people have followed their GPS into situations which has led to a fatal accident. This is real. So you might be thinking, well, this isn't me. I still use MapQuest, and good for you. If you guys aren't familiar with MapQuest, it's a website where you can go online and put in where you want to go, and it allows you to print out directions, if you have a printer, where you want to go. So if you use MapQuest, good for you. But this is an example of how important it is for us to be mindful of what we are allowing to lead us. Without the Lord, we are prone to wander into a desolate life. And because of this, we need to consistently exercise our hearts and our minds by reminding ourselves and each other of God's goodness. So we don't have to find ourselves being reliant on things of this life that could cause us to lose our way. And so today we're going to be looking at Psalm 107. So if you want to be turning there to Psalm 107. And the context of Psalm 107 is God's redemption of the nation of Israel from their captivity of Babylon. And so we see in 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, destroyed Jerusalem and exiled thousands of Jews to Babylon. And in the book of Ezra in 538 B.C., We see King uh, Cyrus the Great, the king of Persia, conquered Babylon and issued a decree that permitted the exiled Jews to return to their land and rebuild their temple. So while some of the Jews decided to stay in their new home, 50,000 Jews left Babylon for a four-month journey to return to a home that they had never been in. To rebuild the temple and the city and restore the Jewish nation. And this passage is significant to us because... Just like the Israelites, we too are in a journey out of captivity. Praise the Lord. And though as believers in Jesus Christ we have been made new, we are not. if we're not purposed, we are prone to lose our way. And so in light of this week being discipleship week, we're going to practice discipling one another this morning. And in addition to that, as Mark was sharing, there's tons going on. And we need to take some time to... Uh, Consider what God has done and what's happening so that we can have perspective as we move through hardship. So we're going to meditate on this passage and to keep each other in remembrance of what God has done in our lives and what we're trusting Him to do on this path that He's set before us. So throughout today's study, we'll be having three breakout sessions throughout our time, and we're going to be considering the passage that we're going through, and then we'll come back together and discuss it as a group. You guys with me? I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to open Psalm 107, verse 1. Father, thank You for this morning. Lord, would You give us Your grace to be focused and engaged in this work so that, Lord, You would be edified in our lives and and that we could move from this space to glorify You in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Psalm 107, verse 1. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good... For His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Our first point today is to be delivered from distress. We must say so. We must say so. Say so goes in your blank there. The psalmist is directing the redeemed to thank God for His goodness and mercy. Paul describes this in 2 Corinthians 9.15. He says, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. See, it's indescribable the gift that God has given us. We cannot humanly fathom. We cannot wrap our minds around what God has done. And because of this, we are prone to forget the precious price that Christ made for us. It's so easy for us as believers as we receive Christ. At first, when you receive Christ, you see people and it's just like they can't believe it. But then over time, if we aren't, if we aren't bringing this to rem- remembrance, it's easy for us to grow weary in this and, and to not maybe consider how empower- powerful this is. In the book of Titus, he shares more about this gift and the redeemed in Titus 2, verse 13. It says, looking for that blessed hope And the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a a peculiar people, zealous of good works. See, as the redeemed, when we are walking in the light of spiritual realities, our heart posture will be looking for the blessed hope, looking for it. Looking for the blessed hope. This is an an excitement and anticipation of the assured expectation of what Christ has done and what He's going to do when He returns. And this is an excitement for us that if we are in this life and when we are walking this way, then we should look peculiar. We should clearly be set apart from the world. And our good works will be from a heart of being zealous, right? This is to be burning with desire. So what are you zealous about? What are you zealous about? When I, when I asked myself this question, I was convicted um, because the first thing that came to mind was this new watch that I purchased online. Okay, so I, I purchased this watch online and it said that it was going to come in three to five weeks. I'm like, it's 2022. Three to five, you know, it's going to take weeks, but then I got an email the next day and it said it was coming the next day. OK, and I, after work, I got home and I was like in my front yard, like, like picking weeds, like organizing the patio furniture. I was so excited about this running watch that was coming in. And when the, the UPS guy came, I was like waiting for him by the driveway. It's like I was, so, I was in such anticipation of this assure, assured expectation that I was going to have my new watch. And, you know, as Kenny shared with us last week, if we aren't careful... We live our lives fixating our minds on our own will. And we be, we're going to be held hostage when we do this to the cares of this world. And it causes us to drift into a life, and this is what Kenny described it as, is conservation instead of consecration. It says in Matthew 10.39, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life shall for my sake, shall find it. So to prevent this type of wasted life. Our passage this morning directs the redeemed of the Lord to say so. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the land. So let's say so this morning. Let's share with one another of what God's done in our lives. He, uh, how He redeemed you from a life of iniquity. This saying so is one of the ways that we can actually gain wisdom. It says in Ephesians 5.17, wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So when we say what God has done, when we remind ourselves of what is true, when we, it says in Hebrews 10.24, consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. When we name and wrap words around God's goodness, it gives us handles to hold on to the presence of his po- of the power in our lives, right? So, when we're holding something heavy and it's awkward, you know. Um, my wife and I went bowling this last week. We just impromptu bowling, right? It was it was great. But the bowling ball it has holes in it so you can hold onto it because it's awkward right we have suitcases and they have wheels and handles we need to be able to carry with us the life life suitcases full of evidence of how God has moved on our behalf so we're going to take a season 5 to 7 minutes this is a short season okay Uh, We're going to consider and then share thanksgivings for what God has done, and we're going to get into groups of two to four people, so kind of look around you, and we're going to jump into groups of two to four, and just so you guys know, five to seven minutes is a short amount of time, okay? So you you can't even eat a sandwich in five to seven minutes, all right? So I know we got some talkers in here, right? So just be mindful of your talking. We want everybody to be able to share, right? So today, uh, the way that I want to do this, I want to create some structure for us. So we're going to be giving Thanksgiving. One way that you could do that is you could share your testimony. You can share your testimony in one minute. Do you guys know that? I have on here uh, just some short questions you can ask yourself. Briefly share what your life was like before you were with Christ. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an example of this. I was born into a family who followed Christ. I confessed Christ at a young age. In my adolescence, into my young adult years, I wrestled with what God I was going to serve. Whether I was going to serve myself or I was going to serve my Lord and Savior. And then you ask yourself, when and how you became a follower of Christ? So in my 20s, I joined a band and with the hope of sharing my faith with people, but found myself growing weary and well-doing due to attempting to live for Christ in my own strength. And it was in this season where my faith was renewed in a way, way that fruit started to remain in my life. And the last question, what, uh, and what uh, your life looks like now with Christ? So how does your life look like after you've been re- with Christ? So since then, Christ led me to a Bible-believing, disciple-making church, Midtown Baptist Temple, I met my wife, we have two amazing kids, and I get to be a biblical counselor and I get to disciple people, and I'm blown away by God's goodness, His faithfulness, and how He meets me in hardship and comforts me even when life is challenging. Okay? So we can answer those questions in addition to in what way have you had victory in Christ this week? You know, we had our Levi dinners this week, God is doing all kinds of stuff in our, our ministry. And so we can share in that way. How has God specifically moved on your behalf? So let's take a short season, so get into groups, and then I'll call you back in around seven minutes uh, and we'll jump in to discuss all together. Cool? All right. All right, all right, we're gonna be coming back in 30 seconds, 30 seconds. Okay, get you back This pointing this direction. So I want to ask a few questions just to, to the group. Um, and if anyone would like to share, I'd love to hear from you. What was it like to hear others share what God was doing in your life? What was an encouraging thing that you heard from somebody in your group? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, Yeah. so there's like just some unity in the experience of we didn't live some crazy lifestyle, but there was still real sin in our life that was keeping us separate from God and just finding unity in that. But seeing how, man, we still have the old man even in with the new man and seeing how God is faithful to encourage us as we move forward. And, and it was encouraging just to share that with one another. One more? Does anyone else have anything that Stuck out to you that really encouraged you? Yes, ma'am. We just noticed that God uses all situations and all people. Mm. You know, in so many testimonies, and that's really what it boils down to: those two things. Yes, God uses all people, all situations to redirect us to Him. We have it gives us the choice to choose Him. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, yeah, one more. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> praise the Lord. Jesus and Deb Mulder. So their group had that common, those common denominators. That's awesome. That's a, a huge testimony to the faithfulness of Deb Mulder. So, praise the Lord. Okay, we're going to jump back into our passage, Psalms 107. We're going to start up in verse 4. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. Our second point for study this morning is to be delivered from distress, we must surrender our solitary way. We must surrender our solitary way. So the psalmist is describing how the Israelites went about their journey in the wilderness. He described them wandering in a solitary way. This is to mean that they were directionless and they were alone, having no place to dwell and rest. And this led to them becoming hungry and thirsty and weary. And and then, it says they cried out to God and it was when they turned towards Him in their trouble in contrast to them managing the wilderness in their own way, He delivered them from their distress there are two solutions that we see that play out in uh, in this passage. Managing the wilderness their way or crying out to God for His way. It's interesting that it doesn't say and He delivered them out of their circumstances. It doesn't say that. It says specifically their distresses. This is to say that He delivered them from the stress that they felt about their circumstances. See, Paul encouraged a similar circumstance regarding he talked about his encounter with a, uh, a thorn in the flesh. He described it vaguely. We don't quite know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was, but I believe that, he, that the Lord left this vague for us to input our thorn in the flesh. It says in 2 Corinthians 12.8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. He's talking about this thorn in the flesh. And he said that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for Thee, for My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in My infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon Me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, and in reproaches and necessities and persecution and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, our prayer to God to remove our harsh circumstances is often answered with Him providing us comfort in the midst of our circumstances. And when, and when, God trusts that, uh, and when we can trust that God's grace is sufficient, and the reason we can trust it is because He's been there. It says in Hebrews 4.15, we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of infirmities. But was in all points tempted, like as we are yet, without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we can, that we may obtain, doesn't say deliverance from our circumstances, that we may obtain mercy. Man, praise the Lord, and find grace to help in time of need. See, Christ, the creator of the universe, came down and put on skin and experienced all the hardship yet without sin. So when He hears our prayers, He answers them in the best way, which isn't to prevent pain necessarily, but rather to empower us in the midst of pain. Because prayerfully pressing through pain is how we become like Christ. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. See, Christ came to serve and not and die not to be served and to die. He, Christ came to serve and die not to be served, and died for. He died for us. With this paradigm shift, we can see our season of wilderness differently. It says in Romans chapter five and verse three. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. How is this possible? How can we glory in tribulation? Because we know that it produces something in us. It produces patience and patience. Experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. This part, I want you to listen to it. It says, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. It's given to us. When we glory in our painful trials because of Christ's sustaining grace, it produces the gift of the Holy Spirit In our life, it provides us with God's perspective and His results. Yet, all too often, we buy into the culture of avoidance of pain. Even as Christians, we are constantly trying to avoid pain with the primary focus of trying to be comfortable and happy in our life. Yet, God did not create us to be happy, He desires for us to be holy. As I was preparing for uh, this morning, uh, this last week on, on Monday, Uh, So about a week ago, uh, I was hoping that I was going to get a lot of time to work on this because it was my wife's birthday and we had already celebrated her birthday and she had all these plans to go out with her friends. And so we got her packed up in the car and she was going to go hang with her friends and I was going to hang with the boys and put them down and then work on this. That's not what happened. Okay, so it started thundering and lightning as soon as they left. And my oldest son, I just put him to bed and he has, is terrified of thunder. So I kept going in there and as soon as I'd get him quiet, I'd start working. And then my other son, we've been trying out food. He's just seven months and he tried avocado for the first time on that day and his stomach hated it. And so he threw up everything. And so I'm like holding him as he's crying and I'm like thawing out milk and trying to feed him. My other son's crying. And at the same time, my parents had just called me and they're like, hey, can you pick us up from the airport tonight at midnight? I'm like, sure, why not? So my plan was to get this done and then get all that done. And Marcy got home just before I needed to go to the airport. I was going to take her car because it's bigger. My dad brought his golf clubs. But as soon as she pulled in the driveway, I heard a a hissing. What was that hissing? Oh, somehow she has a flat tire. So while I'm, she's in the house feeding our child, I'm like trying to configure how to get this spare tire out of her car and I am just furious, right? Because my whole night completely imploded on me. And I came inside to get the keys for my car and I was short with Marcy, my wife. And I went out and I got in the car and I sat there and I turned on the car and immediately pff, convicted, convicted. Because the very message that I was trying to prepare, you know, uh, with this time, God was giving me an opportunity to see it play out in real life. Because I was wandering in the wilderness in a solitary way. And because of this, my soul was beginning to faint. So you know what? When I cried out to the Lord and asked for forgiveness and I texted my wife immediately, please forgive me, that drive to the airport was so sweet. I was able to laugh about how ridiculous all that time was. And and I, I had His peace and I had His joy. Right? So let's take another season, right? Seven minutes to consider and share what God is doing in our life. The hardships... You know, that hardship pales in comparison to real hardship that I went through. But the hardships that we're facing with the intention of surrendering our way of navigating the tribulations that we go through in order for God to deliver us from our distress. So let's get back into the same groups that you were in. And you know, the first two minutes, I want everyone just to kind of take a moment to reflect. Just to yourself, consider, what is it that is going on in my life that that is a hardship? And then whatever you come up with and you feel comfortable with sharing, utilize the next little bit to share that with one another. The model of the the questions that we have from the passage, it says, where in my life am I wandering in a solitary way? A tribulation that I'm attempting to fix without Christ. So uh, an example of this could be something like I'm having trouble at work with my boss who's controlling and taking credit for my work i currently addressing this by being passive-aggressive and, and turning in my work late. Okay. Uh, how is this impacting me? I feel angry and resentful. I'm consumed with this conflict and I'm exhausted. And the final question, how can I cry out to God to gain His perspective? Will you pray for me? So we're asking our, our group to trust God to give me His peace and perspective so that this hardship will transform me into the image of Christ. So the last two minutes, maybe we can have one individual in the group just pray for everyone and then we'll jump back into a group discussion. Cool? Cool? All right, seven minutes. about 30 seconds if we want to have someone in your group pray, and then we'll jump back in. when you guys are finished wrapping up with this next part. So what, it, what was it like uh, to consider you know, maybe a hardship in your life in light of the context of the verse that we were going through? What was it like talking about that together as a group? Yes, ma'am. It's vulnerable. Yeah, say, ah, like, oh, this, is, this is something that's happening in my life, and man, this is what God's telling me. This is what God's maybe challenging. Yeah. What else? What was it like to, to share that with the people you met with? Mark. Encouraging. Uh, A needful reminder. Yeah. So Mark said, encouraging, a a needful reminder. Was there anything that you heard uh, or that you discussed or that came up just between you and the people you're working with that uh, was an encouragement that you think would be cool to share with the rest of the group? Right, so even when we're going through seasons that are, that are good, it's like uh, it's, we are prone when we're in hardship to cry out to God and how important it is when we're going through good seasons to cry out to the Lord even more. Like to strengthen me uh, during this good season. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we need the body of believers. God has given us the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and the body of believers. That's why we we shouldn't forsake the assembling. This is why we need to be here with one another. This is why we need to have real relationships with one another to provoke and to provoke one another to love and good work because man, it's it's when we're in a solitary way. When we don't have anything that's pressing against us, when we don't have that daily time with the Lord, when we don't have the, the brother and, and sisters in our life to say, hey, like, this is what's actually true about your life, um, then it's easy for us to, to grow weary and, and, like it says in this passage, hungry and thirsty, uh, to feel desperate. Anyone else? Jisoo? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, so okay, so if you didn't hear Jesus she's they' were talking about the, the the idea of the difference between guilt and conviction, so the, the concept of, of those two words are, are drastically different when when we are living within the, the framework of conviction, then we, that's a we are walking in the spirit, we are sensitive to the things in our life that are incongruent with God's word and what He has for us, whereas, you know, the idea of guilt being this shame-based framework, which is really the accuser of the brethren, right? We, uh, you know, we have a real enemy that wants to sideline us in our life so that it doesn't bring God glory in our relationships and our ministry, and so just that idea of those two different things and being sensitive to that, we don't want to not feel conviction, but we also need to challenge any type of guilt or shame that um, that maybe could guide us into despair. Any last thoughts before we jump into the the next part? Yes, sir. this Christ not Yes, sir. Man. He said, man, we need to be in remembrance that Uh, Our walk isn't about what's on our plate, what we think we should be doing, but it's about His will for our life. So I I think, man, it's when we go through hardship, like my silly example, it's like all of that stuff was to bring me into remembrance that this is not about me. It's not about me. God has a plan for my life that if I get busy with my plan, then inevitably I'm not going to be living out what God has for me. All right. So, we're going to jump into Psalm 107, verse 7. You guys with me? Alright, it says, "...and He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works for the children of men. For He satisfied the longing soul and, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness." So our third point study this morning is to be delivered in order to be delivered from distress we must see christ as our soul satisfaction we need to see christ as our soul satisfaction the psalmist is describing how god didn't just deliver them from their distress but in in his time he also delivered them from their circumstances Okay, so He guided them the right way to move through their circumstance to arrive at a place He had prepared for them. A key component that we see here, in order to be led the right way, God needs to be what satisfies and fills us. In Psalm 16.5 it says, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. Psalm 73.26 My flesh and my heart faileth but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalms 119, 57, it says, Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I will keep Thy word. So for us to be led the right way, we must have the right guide. When God is our portion, He is our everything. And and the provider of everything that we need, when we don't reconcile this, we find ourselves expecting our portion to be in other things. We expect people in our lives to be our portion. Our spouses, our friends, our our, our family, uh, uh, even our, our church leaders, we expect them to be our portion. We expect our career to be our portion, our social status to be our portion. We look to our health or to our body or our belongings to be our portion. And all of this leads to frustration and despair because we are looking to others for what only God can do. He can only truly satisfy and fulfill us. Uh, This last Wednesday morning at 1.24 a.m., our entire city was awakened by a tornado warning. You guys wake up for this tornado warning? (laughs) Martha's like, nope, I was dead asleep. Did you really not wake up for it?
1: Uh,
0: Oh, well, at my house, we were very awake and we gathered the kids and we went down to our downstairs bedroom. We're all laying in bed. By the way, when you have little kids and you all wake up in the middle of the night, it's the worst because they're like, oh, it's morning time and we're just going to hang out for a few hours now. So we were all hanging out in the basement and I was laying there with my family on this bed. And in my mind, you know, it's like, So it's like, is this going to happen? You know, who knows? But in my mind, I'm like envisioning this tornado carving its way through my neighborhood and just decimating my house and thinking about all of our belongings getting sucked up into the air. And uh, I was thinking, my my wife um, just purchased uh, a Father's Day gift for me. And I've already got it because there's this thing about my wife where when she buys something for a special occasion, it, I get it when it comes in rather than the day of because she can't help herself. So I got this painting it's so cool. She, she, uh, she commissioned one of the, the Art Institute kids here uh, to paint uh, a picture of me and my son Coda, and it's so cool. Um, but I envisioned this thing getting sucked up into this tornado. And I was thinking there, I was laying in my bed, I was like, okay, that's okay. You know, if we lose our cars, if we lose our house, because everything that matters is right here in this bed. And I concluded that, but God convicted me in that even because I'm studying this. And even those precious souls, you know, my kids, my wife, they cannot satisfy my longing soul. that only God can be my portion. Only God can be our portion. For our final breakout session, we can take another seven minutes. I want us to consider and share a specific time when God led you the right way, okay? That in this time, he, He led you to a place of peace, even maybe when there was a storm, you know, raging around, and to share ways to encourage Uh, one another. I want you to to take that time that we're going to have to encourage one another. Um, And so let's get back into our groups for the first two minutes. um, I want you to think through just kind of like we just did and and to share. The model we find in our passage is how we form the questions here. It says, where in my life has God led me the right way? An example that comes to mind in my life Before the pandemic, I was consumed with thinking that I needed to buy a building for my counseling practice. I was, you know, I'm taking on new counselors that are working for me, and I looked and I looked and looked, and God just kept shutting the door, shutting the door, shutting the door. And then, you know, two months later, COVID consumes our world, and, you know, I'm working at home now. And uh, I didn't actually need a building. So God was looking out for me in a way that I didn't even realize. So in this specific circumstance, how can I praise Him for His wonderful work? So I can praise God because of His loving kindness and His patience with me to continue to close doors and me trying to push them open and His faithfulness in having a plan for my life, even though I didn't know what was coming. And so where in my life am I prone to seek satisfaction outside of God? being my portion, so I know in this instance I was prone to find my satisfaction and value in the success and mostly the sustainability of my business so I could provide for my family. So we're gonna take seven minutes and we're gonna answer these questions and share with one another and then we will jump back into uh, a group discussion. We're gonna jump back in in 30 seconds. was it like to to be able to assess, consider, and share where you find your portion outside of the Lord? What was it like to to consider that for yourself, to be honest with yourself? Like what, what really is the things that I identify with as my portion? What was it like to consider that and share that with the group? Our... Not, my health. What was that? My health. Your health, yes, sir. Yes. Yeah, so putting that maybe on a pedestal where it doesn't belong, and, and it's easy to do that, especially in, you know when we're getting older. I feel like I'm am get, getting older, but it's like, man, like if I'm not in, if I'm not feeling good, which is happening more and more, um, yeah, that's a big issue. It's hard to function, so it's easy for us to put that as a priority. What else? Yes, sir? mm a little awkward a weakness that I had to work on. Mm-hmm. Admitting weakness, like, whoa. Yeah, I need to surrender some things. Yes, sir, thank you for sharing that. Martha. Just with our children, deal with in our flesh, but, but God is our portion and he mm-hmm. Yeah, how do we deal with these kids and and often how easy it is for us to move towards um, instructing them from a position of flesh and in the flesh rather than trusting the Lord in it and wanting to place him in that position where he gets to speak into our life as we speak to them. One more? Anyone else? Mark? I would say two things. One, uh, in marriage, the Lord's you know, provision and all that, but also even outside of marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, speaking of marriage, just like how the Lord can use us no matter where we are. Yeah, so in our marriages and outside of our marriages, how uh, God can use us and that He needs to be our portion so that yeah. He can be glorified in our lives. Awesome. Thank you guys for participating in this. Um, if you're following along in Scripture in Psalms 107, I want you to go to the very last verse in the chapter. Psalms 107, verse 43. It says, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. This morning we have observed these things. We've heard testimony from one another of how God has delivered us from our distresses And for continued deliverance, we need to say so. We need to say what God is doing. This is to thank God for what He's done. We need to surrender our solitary way. This is to identify and surrender our fleshly solutions. And then we need to seek Christ as our sole satisfaction. Rather than finding our portion of the things outside of Him, but identifying Him is the only one that can truly satisfy. I want to encourage you to continue to observe these things. You know, with the people that you got the opportunity to connect with, um, but to revisit what you wrote down throughout the week. What did you write down that we, we don't want to allow for the things that God reveals us to us to fall to the ground? So because we serve a God who delivers us from distress, we can be full of joy. Let me pray for us. Father, thank You for this morning. Lord, I'm so grateful for Life Fellowship and just getting to connect and to hear from one another about what You're doing, even in hardship. God, would You give us Your heart for um, Your kingdom's work and that You would be glorified in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.